adaption, a word many of you may know. The word itself has many different meanings based on what context it's being used in, but at the moment, context does not matter. Instead, I would just like you to focus on the word itself. What comes to mind when you hear the word adaption? The most likely answer is probably something to do with the story that has been adapted into a new format. Whether it be a book that was made into a movie, or a game that was turned into a series of short stories. This is the type of adaption we will be discussing on today's episode of Society's Waltz. Now you may be wondering what adaptions have to do with dance, but I wouldn't bring it up if there wasn't some sort of correlation. At this very moment, I would like you to remember as many ballets as you can. It doesn't matter if it's modern or classic, just think of as many as you can. Now of those ballets, how many are you willing to bet are based off of a previously written story? Ballets like La Esmeralda? Romeo and Juliet, and Sleeping Beauty, all just adaptions of stories into the ballet format. But not all adaptions are good. That fact is fairly prominent in Hollywood itself these days. So how have these ballets been able to pull it off so seemingly so well? As a matter of fact, what is it that makes an adaption so good, or even just acceptable? I ended up meeting with the same classmates I had last time, and we discussed this very matter. Hi, I'm Anthony Shudra from the Only Lore Warhammer podcast. I'm Grace Leishman from Society's Waltz. I'm Kaya Rasmussen from Relative Recital, and today we're talking about adaptations. Well, I mean, I looked at like some examples of not just Romeo and Juliet, but like other adaptions or adaptations or whatever, and um. I mean, there was, like, a few, like, kind of similarities between them of, like, whether they were considered successful or not. Um, like, some of them, if it's, like, from a book to, like, a film, like, most of the time, they, like, try to stay as, like, close to the book as possible. Like, they try to keep characters mostly the same, keep the same setting and the mood and the theme. And that's what most of the successful ones do because they're just faithful to the original work and they keep what people liked about the original work. And then... It's just never another form of it that people can enjoy. Um, but with Romeo and Juliet, like, there's so many different, like, versions in, like, different settings. There was one we saw in a modern setting, the medieval setting. There's probably a ton of different ones, but they still keep the core, like, kind of character traits. Like, the character is pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the actual story itself is, like, usually goes along the same way. I feel like as long as they keep part of it that's true to the story, even if it's just some little branch, it still connects it and kind of makes it effective. There's definitely an element of when you're when you're like going into a, like a different kind of like a format, like if you're changing from a book to a film or vice versa. It it can definitely like you can definitely be limited by like how you're like if you're making say a movie of a book yeah. and the book is like a billion pages long. You obviously can't make a movie that's like five hours long. Like I think with the Lord of the Rings, like they were, there's like a lot of stuff that they kind of had to like 
go over or shorten just so yeah. that they could have like an actual like like film that people would sit down and watch. Yeah. But I mean, they did a pretty good job of it. The Lord of the Ring movies were I thought they were pretty good in my opinion. No. Um well, I think there's also a thing with just um a really big thing from taking uh, characters specifically from uh, book format or written format into something other than that, like on a stage or a movie, where you can't you can't uh, really go deep into the character's psyche. You can't look at um, read what they're thinking and stuff without it feeling really meta or just kind of over explanation, you know. And I find a lot of time in the adaptions and stuff, you kind of lose um, the heart of a uh, character. You lose kind of a plot point of um, the story because you don't have that kind of uh, look inside what the character is feeling. Stuff you just kind of have the outsider perspective of them. Um, that happens a lot with specifically, I think, um, a story that starts out as a book where there's all this space for the author to like create all these things mm-hmm. and it's actually it, it can be so sad like how you mentioned with the Percy Jackson yeah. movies when they just crush it <laughs> like they take every single thing that's been built up and then they just kind of like oh yeah it they down. destroyed the world building <laughs> in that it's just... and it kind of messes with the magic um I think a lot of it is actually like there's this whole visual aspect of it specifically for um like classics that were originally a like like a text, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's a playwright or it's a book, a huge part of it is the visual aspect. So, if you make a movie out of something that where people like imagined all this stuff in their head, mm-hmm. if you don't have, if it doesn't meet expectations, if it's not fantastic enough, yeah. <laughs> it can be the worst thing. Like even if it just, I've had some movies like I've read a book. I go to watch the movie and I like opening scene and like the the set is awful. Oh. Then I just I'll just stop watching it. Yeah. It's just like I know if It'll I go back it. and read that I'm just gonna picture that awful set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how does this apply to ballets? Well, a big point that kept being brought up during our conversation was how the characters had translated between the pieces of media, often losing their charm and feeling, making them feel like they had a personality of a brick wall. This problem obviously also applies to ballets, since we also lose spoken word in the performances, leaving only the music, choreography, and dance's own expression to tell the character's story. But that really is all they need. Here's a little food for thought. Unlike mediums like movies or books where interactions between the characters and the viewers are a lot more intimate, where you get to know the characters by things like the way they speak or little quirks they have, there's no such restraint on ballets. Instead, the character's consistency hinges on the dancer's movements and actions on stage their interaction with the world around them. And the way I've noticed ballets often set up these characteristics of the characters is by what usually is one of the opening scenes with the huge gathering of people. 
There, the dancers show how they interact with others and the surroundings, setting up relationships and themes that will carry throughout the show. One ballet that does this really well is Romeo and Juliet. The ballet opens in a marketplace with Romeo unsuccessfully declaring his love for the beautiful Rosaline. Then day breaks and the market busies with Romeo seemingly forgetting about his failed love when another beauty shows him some interest. Already the groundwork is laid for the overly flirtatious attitude of Romeo. This is done for the other characters as well, like Tybalt, Mercutio, and Benvolio. Then music from these early scenes are carried throughout the ballet, reminding us who these characters are and how they change with music. However, for all the talk of how characters are one of the most important things for an adaption to get right, in my opinion, even if the characters themselves change for the benefit of the story, the only thing that must remain consistent, no matter what, is the heart and soul of the story. This is truly the factor that sets good and bad adaptions apart. You can make a story your own all you want, but the minute you lose the original purpose of the text, you have already failed at making an adaption. It is an art that many of these ballets have perfected. Thank you for listening to this episode of Society's Vaults. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode, and to go listen to my co-host's episode as well. Finally, a big thanks to Anthony and Kaya for taking the time to do another co-hosted episode with me.